Hello, welcome to the Breaking Bread Pod Show, Episode 3. I like to call it Breaking Bread the Pod Show. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of semantics. <laughs> <laughs> this is Episode 3, and we're going to talk about a Friday night fiesta. Yes. So usually we go out to dinner on Fridays. It's like our special night out, Friday and Saturday. But this Friday, we decided to create our own fancy meal. But really, it did not take much effort at all. Because we just had a charcuterie board and a ribeye, which is very easy to cook. Yes. Uh, it was It was all meat, pretty much. Um, meat party. We also had bacon with all of this, just to add more meat into the mix. Um we like to eat meat and it was Friday night and we were happy mm-hmm. um, no it did not take long to cook the charcuterie stuff we don't really make that yeah. we kind of just buy it and then put it on a board and we feel very fancy yes we do feel fancy because it is expensive and uh, I guess it's just what fancy people consume it does seem like a fancy food. It presents itself very well. Yeah. All the meat's cut, and it's cut very thinly, so you can, like, organize and just, like, spread out and assemble those sliced meats in a cool way They're on a board, really typically. And then you can slice up the cheese, too. And yeah. Maybe you have a big part of that cheese still as a, a chunk. Yes. And then you cut off additional parts as you need. Just how, like, we have we have it displayed on our Instagram. It's very much like a photograph we took. That you could you can check it out on our Instagram page. We were mimicking other pods. human beings because we're human beings and that's what we do. Yeah, well, we mimic and then we and then we create our we own. Iterate we iterate. Yeah, as well, we iterate. That's um, how the creative process works, right? But anyway, uh, the things mm-hmm. we selected for the charcuterie board plate thing uh, it was just three things. It was Parmigiano Reggiano cheese because that's the king. Nothing better than Parmigiano Reggiano. <laughs> it sounds good. It tastes good. Wait, the king? Yeah, it's just... When you think of cheese, what do you think of? Parmesan. Um, actually, the first one I think of is uh, cheddar. But Cheddar is better. But I don't think cheddar is better at all. I actually disagree. Um, I've, I've grown onto cheddar since you've you know really the, presented it to me frequently. But... Yeah. The American of, of me... Is very much into cheddar. And then I have like a little bit of pride attached to it too because it's very nice and good where I come from. Yeah. But if I eliminate all of that bias, I guess cheddar is still better. Yeah. Parmigiano Reggiano is king. Yeah. And especially with uh, cured meats. Yeah. They're really nicely together. It's, I well, think it's, it's extra. It's t- it tends to be drier. It tends to be I also aged think longer. Parmigiano Reggiano. Am I saying that right? Parmigiano Reggiano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like it has a little bit of a nutty flavor. Yeah. I In think. my Instagram post, when I describe the taste of it, I say <laughs> that it's nutty notes. Because I think by giving, by uh, explaining okay. the taste of foods, it makes it more appealing. Like, like ooh, it's got <laughs> okay. a nutty flavor. It's got like a smoky flavor. Like that makes the dish seem. Like, it's better than it may be. Like yes, that is market. advertising. Yeah. Yes. We aren't advertisers, Well, we got to try to, you know... We embellish. We have to try to present ourselves in a... But there were other things like besides what? cheese in the charcuterie. 
Or, yeah, there was. There was the cured meats, which, what was the meat? It was... We don't know the exact name, so the name we're calling it now is French Bosque Chorizo. <laughs> um, it definitely is a ham product, and it's from the Bosque, but it's from the French part of the Bosque. I remember the package saying that. I just don't remember all the other words to describe it. But it was very much like chorizo. So now we're calling it French Bosque chorizo. Yeah, and it has a nice ring to it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it was very good. What's fun about charcuterie boards, too, is that you can mix and match. So sometimes you can just have the meat, sometimes mm-hmm. you just have the cheese, or then you combine them, which is the Into best. Into one bite. Sometimes you do a cheese uh, a cheese on the bottom, cheese on the top, chorizo sandwich. Wow, sometimes you do never done that. a chorizo on the top, chorizo on the bottom with cheese in the side, inside of it sandwich. Mm. But you can also roll it up around. Wow, I've never done a double chorizo. So there's different uh, assemblies that you can do. Do you think that's too much chor- chorizo to cheese usually? It's all about plan, you know. You, you see what you I like that, that day. I don't get that experimental. Um, another thing we had with these... Uh, with some almonds, but they were not your regular Not your almonds. typical almonds. Nah. They are da, 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 Marcona. Marcona almonds. Yeah, they're Marcona almonds, which are from Spain somewhere, I guess. Um, and anything from Spain or Italy or France, it's just like fancy, cool, and delicious. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just how it goes. So that's what these are. You've maybe seen them before, but literally I've never seen them before. I think I introduced two them to you. two months ago at most is the first yeah. time I ever saw one. And Mike they're a different shape, you know. Like almonds are almond shape, but Marcona almonds are just a little more round, like a pumpkin seed. I would say mm-hmm. um, they don't taste anything like punk- pumpkin seeds because they taste very good. They're a little softer you than like pumpkin seeds. I like pepitas, but not pumpkin seeds. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, the Marcona almonds are softer. They're less crunchy than your typical almond, right? They don't have that like brown shell on the outside, like yeah. regular, you, you know the it's like it's almost like a regular almond with the brown stuff taken off. Right, right, right. I think that's what it is. They probably took that part off. They're husked or shelled or whatever yeah. they call it. Now, but the even the the almond itself, it's like a softer thing when mm-hmm. you chew it. It doesn't crunch and pop when you bite it. It's just like and it's yummy. It, it definitely has a higher crunk. percentage of fat in it. And I think they might add a little bit of olive oil on top. A lot of times when you buy it, it, it feels, has oil over it. Yeah, yeah. when I touch or it's just it, that oily. it feels oily. Um, and they're salted. And I mean, fattier nuts are oil, more oily, too. Yeah, like uh, macadamia nuts. Or walnuts. Yeah. No, I think it might... I don't know if they put olive oil. But anyway, these are really, really tasty. And then to make them even more tasty, um, they were... I don't... Can you remember if, if they were roasted? No, they weren't. So they weren't roasted, they were raw, but they were, like, tossed in this lemon and sea oh, salt. Oh, yeah, you got that kind. Yeah, yeah. That's and, a and different, different than what we usually get if we get them. We've never tried those before, and they were very, very good. So we ate all this charcuterie stuff, and we enjoyed it, and it was very fun. Um, we also, we were also drinking wine. Yes. What kind of wine did we have? We had a Vol Valpolicello Arripas. Oh my god. <laughs> we had a Valpolicello Rapasso. That's so, me doing like more of like a like So a we discovered this wine in Italy. <laughs> yep, and now we like it. In Venice, it. yeah. And so I went to a wine store recently and 
New Jersey. Um, and I asked if they had it, and they did. And so, then you bought it, and then we drank it. Yes, and it was very, very good. It was a little bit, uh, I would say it's like slightly sweeter than your typical wine, but still pretty dry. It's weird. It, it tastes a little bit sweet um, for a moment, but it doesn't taste sweet the whole way through. It's a little sweeter than you and I like. Yeah, but but it's, it was it's very, very good. It's very good, yeah. We, yeah. And it paired really well. It's just so fun having the charcuterie and the wine. It was, and then, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, that was there to nibble on as we were letting our ribeye thaw. Very now, important. It's yes, that's our biggest, maybe our and biggest ribeye tip. But it's, I mean, it's more than just a ribeye tip. But that's our biggest like meat cooking tip, tip typically. <laughs> yes, uh, and we get it to room temp. That's get it a consistent temperature from yeah. Outside to inside. So, so we'll usually put our meat out up to sometimes over two hours before we cook it. Sure, I know it's sure, not it's not sure, serve sure. safe approved, woo, 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 but <laughs> it's not serve safe approved. But it's very important to get it to room temperature because it's not at room temperature. Uh, it's going to not cook as quickly. It's not going to crisp as well, and it's likely it will cook unevenly. Yeah, it'll take longer to cook, and then it's more likely to dry out. You'll get gray bands on the outside and red or pink on the inside, but you won't get the same color throughout, and that's no no bueno. Yep, and uh, so yeah, definitely important getting room temperature. If we don't have enough time to keep it outside room temperature, to get Mm -hmm. it to room temperature, we'll put it in the microwave for a few minutes. Do a little microwave defrosting. Very sophisticated. Yep. And also... Yes? I'll just take a sip of my tea. Uh, we also salt our meat up to 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, meat in prep. So, Thaw it, salt it. So with this ribeye, we got it the day before. Right when I got the first thing I did is I threw it on the counter, opened it up, salted it with some kosher salt, and put it back in the fridge. And just by salting it for 20, having it salted for 24 hours, it breaks down the proteins and makes it more tender when you cook it. It's really, it's it's like the, the best cooking tip I can give anyone. Yeah, it's very important. I like it too. Yeah. Um, Salt's from within. Does not dry it out. No. That's a myth. So, tell me about buying these ribeyes. What makes them special? Well, we got them at Primal. I got them at Primal Meats, which is a... I call it Primal Supply. Primal, Primal Supply. It's a butcher in Philadelphia. They've got two locations. And I went there. I actually called before I went there. Um, and I asked if they had ribeye. And they said, no, but we can cut it for you. Very nice. So I went over there, let them know that I wanted the ribeye. It took like 10, 15 minutes. I saw her in the back, and she, she chopped me up two nice ribeyes. Brought them <laughs> out. Yep. And uh, in addition to that, I also got some. Remember, I got the... Dried. Oh, you got something you tried, and it was not. Yeah, a good thing to try. it was like beef jerky, but not made of like muscle meat. It was made of liver. No, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was made of liver, so it was like dried beef liver. And I think it's meant for dogs to consume. <laughs> yeah, and I took a bite of it, and I I couldn't even swallow. It was that terrible. You had I to pull over. You I were driving over. as you ate it. You said yes. I mean. I pulled over when it was a safe was a safe place to pull over, and I I opened my window and I spit out on the side of the road, and I went like, puh, puh, puh. 
Mm-hmm. And they're still in the cabinet because I just feel like it was, you know, no, it was four bucks, so we'll hate throw to just throw out. it away. Yeah, we will. But yeah, but uh, it's not like your regular beef jerky. I don't recommend. Yeah, we it. don't. We don't recommend eating dried liver. Yeah, yeah, liver's tough. Pate is very good. Um, we don't and, know enough about liver. Yeah, we want to incorporate it more into our diet because we understand that it's very healthy. It's rich. It's rich in like fat soluble vitamins. Um, she's very nutrient dense, but we just every time we get pate, we're we we just like don't really eat it. Like we have some in the fridge now, and we just don't. Pate is different from just like liver on its own anyway. Too that's like the entry level yeah. liver. We haven't gotten to next level li- liver like liver and onions. That's all right. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't grow up with that food, so it's 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 hard adjusting to it. Um, it's funny though, because when our parents were growing up, they always had liver. You know. I think they each. Yeah. And then slowly through time, they just kind of like took it out of their diet, and we ne- I never had it growing up ever. Only muscle meats, mostly chicken. People today eat fewer organ <laughs> meats than people in the past. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring it back though. Well, for ourselves, we're not going to be, like, bringing organ meats to other people and saying, you must no, eat know. this. But that would be a good episode, maybe. We're not we, dictatorial. We make a... Or tyrannical. Make a pate or make, make organ meats taste good and then talk about it. Um, All right. Moving on from the, from the liver. Now we're looking at the beautiful cooked ribeye. We... Cook this ribeye like we cook any other ribeye. The other thing we, I guess, is maybe obvious to us, but we didn't explain. Um, we almost always prefer getting a bone-in ribeye rather than a oh, boneless yeah. ribeye. Um, bones are very nice. I mean, you can make soup out of them after you cook whatever you cooked already. Oh, bro. Um, you can get a lot of flavor from the bone into the meat and then the meat that's closest to the bone is not just flavorful, but a very uh, primal experience <laughs> where you can grab the bone, uh, use your hands, and just gnaw on it uh, yeah. as if you are a caveman that has <laughs> not eaten that's, in many, many days. That's how I act when I... I always take the bone. I'm pretty selfish about it. Yeah. I don't really ever ask you if you want to bite. You're not very good at sharing. I just... I always just slice it off first, and then just that—that's my first move—is is the bone. I go, I go right in. It's um, very delicious. Also present with our ribeye was some butter and some garlic. Yeah. So, and for our cooking oil that we cook it yes. in, we have moved away from olive oil. Womp womp. As in, we move away from olive oil with pan searing our meats. Olive oil and heat. Are not combinations we like. Yes, and you shouldn't like it either. Because okay. it's it creates... The reason why we moved away from it is because olive oil has a lower boiling... Uh, smoking Smoke point. point. Smoke point compared to other fats. So more saturated fats like lard and coconut oil have like a higher smoke point than olive oil. And what's happening at the smoke point is oxidation, right? And that's not yeah. fun. Yeah, it's not good It makes have... things worse. And yeah, then you eat it and it makes you chemicals. worse. Garbage in, garbage out. To what degree are those, you know, chemicals bad? I don't know. But I think the big thing for me is that I just don't like all of the smoke. 
that yeah it gets smoky when you're cooking yeah. when you when you pan sear all right it. so now we've talked about all the things with this ribeye oh, we didn't talk about we, what fat we used though for the ribeye oh yeah so we use lard that's been our go-to and what is lard it's pig fat it is pig fat so it would be the same stuff you would get, um, like if you cook bacon, there's a lot of fat, grease on the roasting pan. Lard it might be is, like rendered and clarified and um, yeah, filtered and all and that, so I'm not sure it's exactly the same, but yes, it's it's from a pig, it's fat. Um, so really it's just like when you're looking at a piece of meat and you see the fat marbling, like that, that marbling is what lard is, it's just like... You know, like to put yes. some perspective the, to it. The fat is fat. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's it's hard for people to <laughs> put it together. Um, I've heard a lot of times if you go to a butcher shop and you ask for fat, that the butcher will give you fat for free because they trim off so much fat and it's just, they, they can't sell it because no one wants it. So um, that's something to keep in mind. This particular location... They sell lard in little tub containers, um, and it was pretty cheap, not any more expensive than olive oil would be. Actually, a lot cheaper than olive oil. Okay, much cheaper than Four dollars for a little container, and we're not even, we use it every day, and we're not even like a tenth through it. No, it's a lot. So, we've got a ribeye, it's room temp, it's been salted, it's looking great. What do I do next? What am I going to cook this in? A cast iron skillet. Okay. A cast iron skillet. Should that cast iron skillet be kind of hot? Oh, it should be very hot, yes. All right, so the cast iron has been and on high heat for a little while, gets warmed up, they go, and yeah. then the ribeye goes on there? Yes, then the ribeye goes on. The, the room temperature ribeye, the salted room temperature ribeye, goes on the very hot cast iron skillet with a little bit of lard, uh, not too much lard though, because the fat from the ribeye yeah, will, will also melt and seep off. into the pan. So you don't need to do too much fat. Um, yeah, you don't want to be deep frying it. Yeah, we have made that mistake sometimes. Um, and so, so let's talk about time. Yeah, how long does it take four to cook this? Minutes on each side. So four minutes on one side, flip it. Four minutes on the other side. Got a little kitchen timer, so we're right on the money. Yeah, that I totally to recommend be, a kitchen timer if you don't have one and you like to cook. That seems to be the magic number. Num- four yeah, sometimes we shave a little bit of, bit of time off it. And also, part of it is looking at the ribeye and seeing if it was cut thick. Is this ribeye like an inch thick? Is it an inch and a half? Is it two inches? If it's a thicker ribeye, you're going to like your cooking time will be totally different than if it's thinner. Yeah. The thinner one, sometimes four minutes really is a bit too much for a thin one if you want it rare or even yeah. medium rare. Yeah. But, yeah, typically the best guideline, four minutes, flip it four minutes. And then you, the hard part is that you want to have it rest after that. Everyone tells you to do it. It's tough, though. It's like It's like the whole, like, don't eat. Uh, or sorry, don't swim within 30 minutes of eating rule where you're like, ah, is this real? Should mm-hmm. I really do that? Because the food's done. It's hot. It looks great. But yeah. if you wait, it's better because people say so because juices do stuff, which honestly probably Yeah, and also true. it's pro- it's too hot to handle, even though I'll jump in anyway yeah, and start yeah, cooking, yeah. You can burn uh, your mouth cutting for it. Sure. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly burning my mouth. I, I don't have much restraint with yep. this stuff. Now, with the ribeye in our fabulous inside meal, well, we eat a lot inside, fabulous dine-in meal instead of uh, go out to a restaurant on Friday is what I meant to say. We also had bacon. Uh, we oh. bought bacon from the same place. We bought those like fancy almonds, all this other fancy stuff. Um, yes, and the bacon was uncured bacon and definitely a thicker cut than you see with your, I don't know, Oscar Mayer bacons out there that come in that weird plastic package that's only used for bacon and nothing else in the world. But this was free bacon, like free open in the world bacon, not in a weird little package, thick cut, uncured, which means it didn't, you know, get things added to yeah, it. Yeah, like they sliced it for us, right? At the butcher? No, it was sliced. Oh, it was sliced. Okay. They, they gave, but it wasn't packaged, so mm-hmm. they pulled the right amount of slices for the quantity of weight I asked for. Um, and this one we cook the same way pretty much every time now as well. Yeah. You get a baking sheet. What's the thing that like raises it up called? Um, a rack. Oh, yeah. Baking sheet, baking rack. rack. Put some uh, parchment paper underneath that for better cleanup. And just lay your bacon out on it. Get your oven real hot. I think we do 425, typically. Yeah, 400, 425. And then it's like 15 minutes on one side. And then, like, flip it. And then usually a little less on the other side. We, yeah, when we do that, we tend to keep it around, like, 12 to 15 minutes. And then when we look at the bacon, we think like reflect on how far it's really cooked or not if it's really cooked you don't want to put it in another 15 minutes obviously it's kind of touch and go um and that is all the cooking we did oh, we didn't right? mention with the ribeye though that uh towards the la- the last like three four minutes we usually put like one or two cloves of minced garlic in that's the right. Pan with the ribeye, yeah. Sometimes a little butter, sometimes a little garlic yeah. can be added. We usually add it at the end because otherwise those things will burn. Like, yeah, they nothing. burn because it's super hot. Um, so yeah, it was very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, we ate a lot of food. To be honest, I mean, we had a lot of bacon, a lot of ribeye, and the the. Cured meats, cheese, and almonds. We probably each had about a pound of meat. Maybe more. Definitely. Yeah, like a good meal for us is about a pound each. Yeah, we eat a lot of meat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. It's, uh, always, it's always funny going to Whole Foods and like telling them like how much meat I want and they're like oh how many people is this for like oh just my boyfriend and I like oh it can cool. more yeah <laughs> good for you guys <laughs> yeah I definitely get strange looks not that strange to be honest but at, at lunch I'm, I'm typically eating like leftovers from the night before and we sort of cook a little more fancy um than a lot of people are kind of used to so I'll be eating steak probably two times a week in the office and people will they always tell me it looks very good but they are also like i don't know it seems like they're a little apprehensive like should you really eat that much yeah there's a lot of fear don't fear the red meat yes i would not fear it that's Um, what jesus told me there is nothing there's nothing 
special about red meat that makes it more unhealthy for you compared to like other compared to like lean chicken right well, you're you're saying that in the common dietary myths that yeah people uh come up against uh things that happen to be hel- healthy and found in fish are also in red meat, but people say shy away from red meat. Yeah, exactly. The reason yes. why people th- think red meat is bad for you is because it is typically higher in saturated fat. But if you really compare red meat to uh, any fish or any chicken, like it's really not that much different in saturated fat. So, like for example, I was looking this up the other day. Mackerel fish, it's very fatty fish. Mm-hmm. It's got like, it's either 7 or 10 grams of saturated fat per 100 gram serving. A filet mignon has the exact same amount of saturated fat. So it doesn't really make sense why we're condemning red meat if it's got, you know, just as much saturated fat as like a healthy fish. Um, and that's, that's, it's, it's, I don't know, it's tough to break these things with people taught the wrong thing for way too long (laughs) there's a lot of things to learn in this world yeah yeah it's one of those myths that just keeps it just keeps going (laughs) um I think my favorite myth is the Pinocchio myth do you have a favorite myth Hercules Uh... perhaps Thor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have. Do you a like Egyptian myth. myths? Um, Greek myths, Roman myths. I mean, you like uh, all Romulus those. and Remus. Romulus and Remus. But or... I wouldn't say it's like my favorite myth. I'm not really well versed. What in about myths. like Buddha? The Buddha myth. That's a pretty big one. Buddha wasn't real. Myth doesn't mean it's not real. It just, yeah, it's just like a more like elaborate. It's a common story that everyone story. relates to. Yeah, boiled um, down to its essence. Yeah, you know, I'm not really that familiar with mythology. Like, I know like little bits here and there, but I yeah. Don't know but what about stories. Demeter? Demeter, oh, <laughs> the goddess of grain. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do know a bit about you know about goddesses about female and goddesses. Yeah, I read a book. About a year ago on female goddess archetypes and that the book went over five different female goddess archetypes and how like every woman has a little bit of each goddess in her. So one was like Aphrodite, like the goddess of beauty and love. And then there was uh, Artemis, who I think was like the goddess of like the animals and the vulnerable she, she was, was a protector. She was the protector the motherly of motherly protector. Yeah, and like in the book they, they compared her to like a typical modern day feminist. Like they're usually people fighting for other women. To support people that are in a vulnerable position. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there was uh, Athena, which is the goddess of wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah, and we saw her repres- we saw so her at our what school was that? That they they loved Athena, that that um, private girls school. Oh, Bryn Mawr. Bryn Mawr, yeah. And it was funny, like right after I read that book, I saw the Athena a goddess statue, statue of, Athena, of her yeah. in the build in the um, college, and I got really excited about it. And I think a lot of the girls at the school like wrote notes to her and, and had them like under on like next yes. to the statue, which is kind of cute. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, what do you think about myths and archetypes? 
What do you think, like, <laughs> like they're weird things. They're, they're kind of, like, ancient and historic and all that. And, yeah. and we don't feel like, in our world, we aren't really creating new myths or creating new archetypes. Or if we are, we're not totally aware of what things those happen to be. It's kind of something you look back upon. You go, oh, yeah. that's that. Uh, you know, the Bible, Jesus. Like, there's the Jesus archetype. There's the Joseph archetype, the Mary archetype, and then, you know, all of those archetypes take different forms, mm-hmm. and then all of those different forms pop up in different myths. Do you think that archetypes are essentially ancient psychology? It's um, almost like... Yes, yeah, if, I do. If psychology was performed, but we had no way to make books... Like, or, or no way to write everything down the same way we do right now. And we had more of an oral tradition. Yeah. Where we're passing stories amongst each other. Is that what you think? You know, yeah, are archi- well, archetypes more uh, native to that kind yeah, of world? Yeah, well, I think they were created to show, like, how different, like, uh, personality behaviors, like, manifest themselves. So, like, you know, one of the... And you could see that within you. So, like, you could look at this this got this archetype, and you could see like this this personality type basically, and it and it shows you like the positive and negatives of that personality type. So, when you look at that, you could see it in yourself. So, mm-hmm. like, anytime, even like with a good movie, like if it's a good character that it's it's usually like a, if it's a good character, it's like one where you could see yourself in that, and you could see yourself making those same mistakes right. or choices. Um, but yeah. Uh-huh. I think it's a way to understand yourself better by looking mm-hmm. at the patterns of behavior. Yeah, of an archetype is almost like a um, a personality and or behavior pattern that is whittled down to its very essence. Yeah. It's stripped away of all the noise. It's just kind of the um, both the po- extreme positives and the extreme negatives yeah. like- that that particular behavior pattern will... Um, bring you to if you embody it and yeah. act it out. And some people embody some archetypes more than others. But we're, we're all, all like more than archetype. one archetype, aren't yes, we? Yes, that's... And, well, I think a good one in the book, and another good one that you presented in the book was the... The clown. No, the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the clown. <laughs> I'm a bunch of them. But yeah, it's it's funny when like you, you look back at your old behaviors or even your new your current behaviors and you, you really see those characters like playing out. Um, but the one that I thought was interesting was like the goddess Hera and she was like the goddess of like commitment and relationships. Ooh. She was really good at relationships, so that's something that's admirable about that kind of character. Very positive. But the, but the negative side of that was like her obsession with her husband, which is her uh who who Zeus, yes. And and she would be like uh, very possessive and like control, like controlling, and she'd be very hard angry con- and yeah. nervous that he was gonna like cheat on her. And Which stuff. he did, and it was very hard to control Zeus because he's the god of lightning and thunder. Yeah, and he likes to get it on with all he the goddesses. He does whatever he wants. He beats <laughs> things. He just does it he all. Has, he has babies um, with all the goddesses. They all intermingle, but so yeah, I look at that character. I'm like, oh, I could see that myself. I could see like. You know, yes. the positive sides and the negative sides. And <clears throat> so, it's like a forewarning of like what could happen if you follow the negative pattern. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that myths, archetypes, gods, and goddesses 
are a way of representing common behavior patterns that humans fall into. Common, yeah, yeah, behavior patterns, yeah. Uh, I wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> I like and how you worked that. I, I did too, but... <laughs> and these things serve as something to reflect upon and to recognize in your own behavior so that uh, when these stories, when stories are very... Um, Stories get passed along. People love listening to stories and people love uh, telling stories. They're kind of... Stories are like how we package information uh, when we want to communicate just talking to a person rather than not everything that gets written down is a story and a lot of things that are informative that get written down are not stories. You have research papers. Um, But the things that entertain you and give you information, those tend to be a form of a story. Mm-hmm. So I almost think that those things combined function as a kind of like an error correction mechanism for the social species that is humanity. Yeah. That, Very that profound. Was, I think that was really good. Ah, I should write a book. <laughs> That was What's really my good. book going to be called? Memes, archetypes, you know, I feel dreams. Like when I think about these things, I feel like I feel like I understand and it makes so much sense to me. But sometimes it's difficult for me to to articulate in the way that I intend to. But you just really laid it out beautifully right there. Wow, thank you. But yeah, it's um, I think it's a helpful it's a helpful tool, and it's it's sometimes tough to see the fault in your behavior if that's all you know and. It, it, if you're looking at it in a character, you might be able to reflect on yourself better. Well, one thing with reflection is that you need to have time to reflect. And so if you're very, very busy, and a lot of people really are very busy, it doesn't mean they're doing meaningful things while they're busy. But that moment in the day where, you know, I look at my phone when I shouldn't be in the elevator, if I kept my phone in my pocket and I just blankly stare ahead... I'll begin to ruminate on something in the past and my own psyche totally under its own more or less involuntary process yeah. will be helping out and saying like, oh, that wasn't a nice thing you did then. Like, don't do that again. Apologize. Or, yeah. You know, but you need a bit of silence and you need a void for any of those things to um, come through and be heard. Yeah. And I guess that's why it's harder for adults to change because adults are more busy than kids and less time to themselves. Adults can't change because they're lame. Yeah, they have more responsibility and um, yeah. I think worries. there's I think there's a lot of reasons for all of that. Yeah. Um, in theory, if you're making good decisions through your life and you become a good person, you shouldn't change. Yeah. Yeah. But to be sensitive to context, sometimes people will crystallize into an adult form that isn't so pleasant. Mm-hmm. And even if you are a pleasant person, it is, it's generally pretty good to be able to change your mind. Well, it's always, we could always improve, you know, like there's never like a perfect, you know, perfect thing to be. I think Athena is perfect. I think Hera is perfect. No, mm-hmm. none of them are perfect. He, uh, Hera is definitely the, the biggest mess. I mean, all she has to offer is commitment to a relationship. 
Wow. Yeah. A scarce asset in today's world. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's a it's a good thing, but that's yeah. It's not as a. I feel like the other uh, goddesses had more uh, positive characteristics than just yeah. that one thing. <laughs> I don't know my favorite myth anymore. But I wanna, I wanna have a good answer to that question if it gets asked asked to me again. Do you see yourself as in any archetypes? Um, the clown. I've got a bit of clown in me, but I call it. I like to call it like the jester, or the joker. It just seems more like mm. clowns are just so sad and creepy. Uh, jesters, I think, can be creepy. Jokers are like. Maybe they'll be creepy, but kind of like because they're menacing and a little more powerful and competent than a clown. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know enough about archetypes to pick myself an archetype. Yeah, I don't know either, but that's something I'd really like to learn more about because that book I, I want to be like really the Father Christmas archetype. I was like Can reading that him? book and I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I see myself in all these ladies. Yeah. Like, I need to learn more about I this. I have a question though. What? Can I be the Father Christmas archetype? What is that like? I don't know. I think it's just like a big jolly guy with a beard that's like gray. A Santa. Yeah, yeah, and then he's like carrying a cornucopia. Really like al- altruistic. Yeah, like he's like very Skinning. plump and he also carries a feast with him everywhere he goes. It's endless. <laughs> it reminds me of do you ever watch a documentary on Netflix about that music producer? I no. forgot his name, Schlepp or something, some Jewish guy. But Sadly, I would never watch anything like that. It, it, it sounds like that the personality type like reminds me um, of him, like very just like giving altruistic, like about other people, always feeding people, um, trying to like make a positive environment for everyone. I wonder if tinkerer is an archetype or like like problem solver. Mm, yeah, the, that one would definitely be part of me. Yeah, I don't think I have that as much. I'm definitely the clown in that sometimes I just feel like I crack jokes to kind of get things moving and sometimes it um, makes me look silly. And sometimes it makes other people uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get a little carried away with it and I don't realize... Um, I think it, it happens for different reasons, but a lot of times I'm just like trying to... I'm a little, I could be bored and I, I'm trying to entertain myself and entertain other people. Um, yeah. But. It's alright. I definitely, uh, I think I've calmed down a bit with that. <laughs> well, I think, like, one, one of those archetypes was a, like, cooking and providing food kind of archetype, which is definitely you. Yeah. Why you like why you identify with the clown solely is confusing to me. <laughs> no, I don't I just identify with the I know, but clown. you love to it bring just... it up that's actually it's interesting because that's like the clown coming out as the clown. Yeah. Because it's a, like of all the archetypes you could pick for yourself to share, <laughs> the clown is the funniest one. Right? Yeah. And so it's actually the clown archetype in you that's bringing up the clown <laughs> archetype. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, so. I don't know why. I think it's because we've talked about it before. We haven't yeah, really talked no. about, like, the other archetypes I embody. But, yeah, definitely that the a cooking. I like to cook and, and share with people. What do you Especially think as about... I get older, now that I have my own space and that I can cook my own food, 
getting much more into cooking. Cooking is awesome. Um, I'm, I have this podcast. I, I'm thinking about the movie Joker because I said the word Joker like I don't know ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That was a really good movie. Yeah, it was. Really I don't want to do like a movie review on here or no. give any spoilers. No, but away. we highly recommend it. <laughs> but that's the last movie I can remember seeing that really just had a consistent visual experience that aligned almost perfectly with, I guess, like the not just the plot but the psych. Like, the, the transitions in psychology the main character was going through. Yeah. It was just, like, everything aligned very well. I don't I don't actually remember who directed it yeah. and all that important stuff. And it was stuff, cool. But, uh, it shifted perspectives a lot. Like, sometimes you were in his perspective and sometimes you were in the outside perspective. Um, yeah. And, and it, was, it got confusing. Like, the reality was, like, was becoming, like, blurry. Like, you weren't sure what was real or wasn't. Another thing that I very much liked about it and found out after the fact, I I thought it was just them making a movie based on comic book content that existed, which is okay, especially if it's a good movie, but one of my things I don't like is when people remake stuff and they just do sequels and they have no original thoughts or creative endeavors. Um, and I feel like movies that get made are very much drying up in terms of fresh new ideas. So I found out that the Joker was actually written up just for this movie. It was a Genesis story made up recently just for the movie. Yep, it was. And I was like, wow, people can still write stuff that's pretty cool and awesome. Yeah, I think he took like bits and pieces of the comics and then just kind of like used that to create his... His vision. I don't even know who he is. Um, it's he's Tim a, Burton. No, Ugh. he directed some. The only other movies he's directed have been like funny movies. I don't remember what. I think it might have been a Hangover. Same guy's Hangover and Step. His Step Brothers a different one. The um, guy that did Step Brothers did uh, Vice as well as The Big Short. Let's see, Todd Phillips is his name. Yeah, that is Step Brothers. Yeah, so is it? Step, The Hangover, War Dogs, A Star is Born. Um, I don't know about Step Brothers. Okay, Borat, Hangover. Borat. Project X. Have you seen Project X? Very nice. No, I. Oh, uh, no. Is what that is about it? a party? I think it's about a um, crazy party or something. That got really bad review. Uh oh. This die out. We're still here. My computer monitors just went black and we thought the recording stopped. It didn't stop. We're, We're lucky. still here. Um, but we have been recording for a little while and it's getting closer to the nighttime hours. So I'm kind of ready for closing out and going to bed. Yeah. Yeah, what are we going to do the rest of the night? It's mm. 9.20. No, we're not going to do much. We're going to finish our tea and... I don't know. There's not really enough time to do too much. Yeah. I'm yeah. tired. Me too. Yeah, we had a long night last night. Went to see Alex Cameron. A very famous artist. <laughs> but we don't need to get A very innovative now. artist. His opener was a comedian. He was a comedian. And then uh, Holiday Side 
Winder was the girl who opened up. <laughs> Very popular as well. Yeah. Uh, it was it was entertaining and in a cool venue and all that, but I'm tired today because we drank alcohol and stayed out later than typical last night. Yeah, it's a little bit typical today. All right, guys, this is Breaking Bread, the pod show, and it's over. Yep, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye! <laughs>